Welcome to Refocus, a podcast that helps you find your focus to build a thriving creative career in the music industry. I'm your host, Rosalind Dennett. Hello, and welcome to Refocus. We have an amazing guest with us today, Dondrea Ira. Dondrea has 10 years of experience as a music supervisor at Instinct Entertainment. She's originally from Caledonia, Ontario, and is joining us today from Los Angeles, California. Dondrea has had the opportunity to work on a number of films and television shows, such as Netflix's Spinning Out and Canada's iconic series Degrassi. She is a multiple award winner, and in April of 2021, she was presented with a Guild of Music Supervisors Award for her work in the film The Cuban. Dondrea is also a singer-songwriter creating blissfully raw and vulnerable music that is influenced by her surroundings and mother nature, and she is the writer of Bye Bye Burnout, a newsletter that's about music, mental health, and how to live a more joyful life. Dondrea, thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Dondrea, your career in the music industry has taken a pretty amazing arc. You started as an artist and transitioned into working as a music supervisor. And now we find ourselves kind of coming maybe in a full circle moment of rediscovering your artistic side. Can you tell us a little bit about your your journey in the music industry and what's led you to this moment? Yeah, I started singing at a really young age and songwriting at a young age and released solo music and played in a band for a while. And wanted to find a way to create my a career for myself in this industry outside of just like touring and writing music. And I was always very obsessed with soundtracks. That sort of led me down the rabbit hole of music supervision. And I had no idea that that was actually somebody's job to, you know, f- creatively find music and then also license it for TV, film, for any medium for that matter. And once I kind of found that out, I was like, this is something I want to do full-time. I want to make soundtracks and work in the television and film world because I was always really influenced by TV and film growing up and I was obsessed with soundtracks and it became like a really influential thing for me in high school. It's sort of how I found new music and discovered artists was from the shows and stuff that I used to watch growing up. And so I was like, that's something I really want to do is, is be someone who can help other people discover new music. And what a cool way to go about doing that, working in a little bit of both worlds with TV and film, working with directors and producers and studios, and then also getting to work with, you know, record labels and managers and artists. And it just seemed like everything I sort of wanted to do all together in one place. And I found Michael Perlmutter in Toronto who runs and owns Instinct Entertainment, and he needed some assistance. And so I sort of integrated myself over there. Prior to that, though, I was working in music publishing, so I was like learning a lot about sync and licensing and royalties and stuff. And you were connected with Fanshawe too, right? Did you? Yeah, yeah. I went to the music industry arts program at Fanshawe, and that's sort of where I was wrapping my head around what I wanted to do. Because at that time, I was still playing in a band, and we were playing a lot of shows in Ontario. And yeah, I, I met a lot of really amazing people there in my year. 
and ended up working with a lot of them later, which was amazing. I mean, there's music industry arts people everywhere (laughs) in Canada working in the industry. It just goes to show it's a great program and people are really excited about trying to enter this industry and that's such a great place to go and do it. But that's sort of where I found out that music supervision was a career option or was a job that existed. So yeah, it's sort of where I started my journey of working in the industry. I was like applying to jobs like crazy after my first year and nobody would obviously hire me even as like a summer intern because I hadn't graduated yet, but I was like (laughs) super eager. And there's a couple teachers in our program who were like, there's maybe going to be two or three of you that are going to end up working in this industry like after you graduate, FYI. So take a look at how many of you there are in this room. And accept the fact that maybe like two or three of you are going to get a job. And I was like, I'm going to be one of those people. <laughs> That's incredible that that you were one of those people. And how? How long did you end up working at Instinct? I worked at Instinct for 10 years. Yeah, it was a really long time. It flew by, but it also felt like an entire lifetime all at the same time. <laughs> and you got to work for some pretty incredible shows. Why don't you talk a little bit about some of the projects you worked on? Yeah, I worked on a little bit of Degrassi Next Generation when I first started at Instinct. I was music coordinator on that. And then I moved into Degrassi Next Class, which ended up on Netflix. I also worked on a Netflix series called Spinning Out, which is like a figure skating sport drama and a few films as well. So I I worked on a film called The Cuban, directed by Sergio Navarrete. And The New Romantic, which was a really fun one for me, and a Canadian film called Firecrackers. So, I mean, over 10 years, there's a lot of projects coming in and out, but those are some of the ones that uh, were really big for me. And Beauty and the Beast on CW as well. Like, that one was pretty, pretty wild. (laughs) Born and raised in Ontario, but you're currently living in L.A. What prompted that move? And were you still connected with music supervision when you, when you did that move? Yeah, I was very much so very involved with Instinct still. I came out here for Grammy week in 2016, and it was the first time I'd ever been to California. It's the first time I'd come to Los Angeles. And there were a lot of people I was working with for many years that I hadn't met in person. A lot of sync licensing folks and record label folks, other music supervisors I know that I just never really had met in person. So coming out here was something I really wanted to do. And when I came here, I was like, oh, no, (laughs) this feels like a place I need to be. This feels like a second home in many ways. And I love Toronto and Ontario. I miss many things about it now that I've been in L.A., but I think I was like really ready for a change. And I was kind of back and forth for a little while and decided to come up with a business proposal for Instinct to try and set up ourselves out here in the States. Canada in general and Toronto, Vancouver specifically, there's a lot of filming that takes place in Canada and co-productions that happen. So U.S. productions in the States will go up to Canada and shoot for tax break purposes. So they'll get money back basically for filming outside of their own country. We were getting hired on a lot of those projects And we wanted to get hired on more of them. So I think the idea of having feet on the ground here in L.A. and in Toronto was a really good idea. And so that was the plan. I moved out here quite quickly. I got my visa approved. And within like a month, I had 
sold all my things and moved here with two suitcases <laughs> and figured it out. And it was a it was a wild journey. And then obviously, like a year into moving here, the pandemic happened. So I mean, that's a that's a whole chapter in itself. But when in this, when did you decide to start writing Bye Bye Burnout? Was this after you decided to leave music supervision or was that something in your head while you're still doing it? No, it was not in my head at all. Nothing was in my head (laughs) except for work, honestly. I mean, the journey throughout this whole process of, you know, the bye-bye burnout newsletter came to existence because of the journey I experienced through moving here and through the pandemic and taking a lot of time to self-reflect on how I spend my time on this earth and with people and, you know, how I identify myself and what I want my mark to be. And within all of that reflection, there was a lot of resistance. And I really struggled with trying to figure out who I was outside of my work. And I think the pandemic, as terrible as it was, it was a total blessing in disguise for me at the same time because it allowed me to really slow down and stop and feel things and process things. And in doing that, I realized that I was more burnt out than I could have ever imagined. I don't even think burnout was a word in my vocabulary (laughs) while music supervising and working. I knew obviously what it meant. I knew what it was about. I knew that I, I was tired and overworked and exhausted and not really feeling myself. But I don't think I identified with having burnout until the pandemic happened. And that's sort of the journey I began and went through of, okay, I don't think this is healthy for me to keep living my life like this. And this is a big part of it. And who am I outside of this career? And that's where the journey began. I decided to leave supervision, which is Still really crazy for me to say out loud. (laughs) I left a career I spent 10 years building and learning and growing and getting quite good at because I needed it for my mental health. And that's sort of where the newsletter came to be and, and came to exist was, I know I can't be the only one feeling this and going through this. And I decided to share on social media, you know, the the day I was leaving I wasn't even going to do that. I was just going to do this in silence, you know, like sort of just step back and let the people closest to me know that I'm not doing it anymore. But I decided against it. And I said, if me opening up about all of this can help one person maybe identify or relate and they can feel less alone, then it's worth doing this. And so that's exactly what I did. I I shared this post that I was leaving the industry due to burnout. And I had so many people message me privately saying they're feeling the same thing. And I'm, I'm not just talking like music supervisors because that was a big part of it, but I'm talking like other artists, like managers. I had a bunch of people in our industry world messaging me being like, I think this every day <laughs> and I don't know what to do with these feelings. Like I don't know where to p- put it or process it. And having you share your story really made me feel like, oh, this is not just me. Like this is on a industry-wide level. And so, yeah, I was really proud that I had the guts to do that because 
it obviously helped a decent amount of people. And that's where the bye-bye burnout things sort of bloomed in, from a little seed to an, you know, this little idea of like, oh, well, maybe I should be talking about this more so that more people can kind of connect to it in a different way. And that's where it began. I remember when you put out that post and I remember being surprised because, you know, so often in this industry, we're celebrating our successes. We're putting a happy hot face out there into the world and or we're running into each other at at celebrations and like you know industry events and times where you're maybe not getting into the nitty-gritty of you know how are you really doing you know there's a kind of a a veneer over over folks and the way that we represent ourselves sometimes in the industry and so yeah so hearing you know you talk about your experience and being really open and honest about it was so amazing and and so nice to see that progress into the newsletter where you kind of dive into some of that process of recognizing that you had this burnout and how you did that. And I'm wondering if you can share a bit about just the process of realizing that you were burnt out. I feel like sometimes we see there's like a fine line between success and burnout because we're trying so hard, like you just said, we're, we're trying so hard to build up this career and stuff like being busy all the time is kind of the thing that you've been trying to do in some ways, right? And yeah. so when did you kind of realize that that maybe this was something else and, and something that could be a, a negative thing? Wow. Oh, well, thank you for saying all that, first of all. Secondly, I think <laughs> it's so funny because truly the facade of the internet. I mean, this is also another thing I was very much going through with my relationship to social media. And I, I hate that. It's always like, let's boost ourselves. Let's show all these positive things. And that's great. We should be sharing, you know, accolades and, and really fun moments of our lives. But I also think that the really crappy parts of our lives and the things we're going through are equally as important. And the truth of it is, is that I was like miserable, like on the outside seeing people at events or, you know, talking to friends, like you said, you were surprised. Like a lot of people didn't know that this was something I was going through or dealing with or suffering through. And, you know, it's not something I was like sharing with a lot of people. And that that's because we're human and we want to do our best and we want to try and do everything we can to succeed and whatever success looks like to each individual. But I was crying every night and I was not sleeping and I had a hormone imbalance and my health was deteriorating. And that's where things really started to change and shift for me because it wasn't just the pandemic. It wasn't just like stopping and reflecting. It was like my body was screaming at me to stop doing what I was doing. And I just kept resisting like this. This is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, this is how we run on this hamster wheel. If we can't slow down, like we have to keep going. And just that over and over for long periods of time was really starting to affect my body and my health. And that's when I was like, okay, it's not worth like losing my life or like risking my life for work. Like it just isn't. At this point, you know, you're kind of immersed in this in this world of identifying burnout, do you have tips for people who who are, you know, in might find themselves in the same boat that you were of how to, you know, you were talking about a lot of physical and emotional symptoms. Can you have anything that you can share with folks of red flags or, or things to look out for that might indicate that that they're on that same track? 
Yeah, it's going to be different, obviously, for everybody, depending on the level of burnout and, and what you're doing. But for me, the the signs I noticed was like my change in personality, my change in my happiness. Like I was really easily agitated and frustrated and I had a lot of anxiety, which is not something I normally dealt with. I love being around people. I love talking to people and and things really shifted for me where going out and talking to people was like the last thing I wanted to do. So things that I used to find joy in, I wasn't having fun doing it anymore. So it's it's sort of you slip into this state, I think, of a bit of depression, not able to do the things you used to do or that you used to love to do. And I think like if you can find a way to listen to your body if you can find a way to tap into how it's physically feeling, I think that was a really big one for me. As a Pisces, I have a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings, and I'm okay to admit that, but I'm not so great with like checking in with my body and physically expressing how I'm f- my body is feeling. I'm all head and I'm all emotional, but I can't I have a hard time tapping into like what my body's feeling and then I have a hard time expressing what my body's feeling. So I think listening to how your body feels in a moment, like, does it get tense? Do you get hot? Do you get, you know, like all of these things are really important to pay attention to. And I think like finding out what your triggers are is another thing because it's not like you deal with burnout all day, every day. There's certain things that might trigger it to be a little bit more intense. And the like stress response is a really big part of burnout. So I'm not a psychologist, so I can't like, you know, deeply get into this. But from what I've learned in therapy and what I've learned in in my readings is that the fight or flight response in today's society is so high that people actually can't come down from their stress response. So for example, like dogs and cats, when they get really anxious or whatever, they can shake and they release this stress and energy. But as humans, we don't really have a way to come down from stress besides like deep breathing, meditation, like all of that. And sometimes meditation and breathing doesn't work for people. Like some people can't actually get into a space of relaxation by just breathing because their mind is too busy. So as humans in today's society, we're just stressed all the time and we're never actually coming down from that stress. So it's just, it's like stress stacking on stress. And so like the tower just sort of keeps building until it either collapses or it's easily pushed down. And I think that it's important to make sure to take breaks and actually figure out what that release is for you. Because for me, it's, songwriting and getting into like more therapy and going for walks and being in nature. And like, those are my things to help release my stress and anxiety. But I think everyone's going to have something a little bit different, but definitely like listening to your body and how it's feeling is like the number one thing that you can do. (laughs) 
Hello, this is Rosalind from Folk Music Ontario, and I'm hopping in here to invite all of our Refocus listeners to join us for a special webinar series taking place every Wednesday in March as part of our Expert Ready program in partnership with Folk Music Canada. We'll be talking to experts in international touring about how to access audiences and stages across the globe and develop those markets into sustainable career opportunities. Listeners can RSVP for free by heading to folkmusicontario.org events. We hope to see you there. I recently, like yesterday, went for some massage therapy because my shoulder was just so messed up. And at the end of the at the end of the time, I mentioned, like, do you ever do stuff on on people's faces? Like, I feel like I've been clenching my jaw mm-hmm. for ten years. <laughs> I feel like I have this like stress in my face. And the therapist was really nice. Like, yeah, let me just let me check it out. And then was like, oh no, like this is, he's like, this is like, I need an hour just to work on your jaw. It is so tense. Cool. So it wasn't just, wasn't just me. It's yeah, Yeah. these physical manifestations of anxiety and stress are so, are so interesting because they're things that we sometimes don't even, yeah, they're so hard to check in with, you know, unless you're kind of forced to, to examine it. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you were holding it in your jaw. I think that's like such a place to clench, especially in like the middle of the night, but everyone sort of holds it in different spaces in their body. And I find it so interesting that, you know, in today's society where this like work hustle and like this culture of like, you got to do more than is expected is so unhealthy for us because we're not meant to be doing that all the time, every day. And of course our bodies are going to react and be like, yo, what are you doing? Like this, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to keep bugging you about this pain and until you do something about it. And it's like, it's so scary. There's no, no, your health is just not worth that. I don't think it is. (laughs) I have this feeling that, and it's one of the reasons why we created this podcast and I, I feel like it's probably similar to to why you started Bye Bye Burnout is that like during the pandemic, you know, we were all kind of forced to to do that check-in in a way mm-hmm. because we were alone with ourselves and our bodies and our, our thoughts without the the distraction of, of going anywhere. During that time, you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned therapy in this conversation. Was that something that you that you were already involved in or did that you seek that out when you kind of knew you were going through the stage of burnout? Yeah, I had to seek it out. I was always very pro therapy. I still am. I think everyone should go to therapy. It's like the most helpful thing to be able to like talk out the things in your head and and really reflect and see how you can just be kinder to yourself and then also other people in your surroundings, but I think it got to a point where the people in my life were being affected by my stresses and anxieties. And that's when I was like, this is not okay. Like, and I'm not okay. I I think I tried to avoid that for a really long time. Like I tried to pretend I was fine, but I really had to just carve the time out to talk to somebody to figure out what to do with this and understand where it was coming from and why I was feeling the way I was or acting the way I was. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. You know, my therapist wasn't like, you should quit your job. She, she never came out right out and said that. But as we talked more and more, it was the more I realized something that I absolutely had to do. 
And music supervision, it's still such a joy to me. I, I loved what I got to do and I loved the people I got to work with. And it's heartbreaking to have to say goodbye to something you love for the better of your health. And it's the journey I sort of went through of like, I can't be my intuitive self and do this job at the same time. So I have to let go of the thing that's maybe not necessarily so healthy for me, even though I love it. And that, that really opened up my eyes to like, okay, this is the burnout I'm experiencing. I didn't realize I was experiencing it to the degree that I was. And a therapist just really helped me understand that. Like, oh, what are all the things you're feeling? And this is where it's coming from and et cetera. And, and like, that's a, what I would call an incredibly brave choice, you know, that, that you were able to make to step away from something that was such a big part of your life and your, your goals that you had worked so, so hard on. Was there like a grieving process after that that you had to go through or, or was it more of an immediate, I'm done, I'm out? Yeah, no, it was definitely a mourning process. I didn't think that I was going to experience that because I think I just needed relief and I needed to be done with it to start feeling better. So I, in my head was like, this is going to be the thing that really helps me break this cycle. Like this is what I need. And it was, but I, I definitely was not prepared for the mourning process as well, because it wasn't just me telling my colleagues and the people I worked with, like, okay, cool. Thank you. know, it was nice working with you, but like, I'm making this decision. It was mourning a part of myself. Like it was mourning a younger version of myself that was super excited about soundtracks and super excited to get into this industry and a version of myself that worked 10 years to get to this point. So like that was honestly the hardest part more than anything. I feel like my identity was wrapped around this career. And so breaking that made me feel like I didn't know who I was anymore for a short while. <laughs> Which started yeah. the process. It started the process of me like figuring out who am I outside of supervision and my career, which is an exciting and part. It's so exciting, and it's yeah. I mean that that experience can, you know, can be I think applied to you know I think a lot of folks in in the industry have gone through you know what what you're describing, whether it's like breaking up your band and like mm -hmm. doing something else, or you know when you're kind of faced with with a big transition like that there should be like doulas for career transition you know? oh my gosh like, that would be amazing if that ever existed because <laughs> it, it's so true like I didn't have a backup plan and so leaving a career and stability not having something lined up is terrifying like that shift in, of change is taking a risk like it's full on taking a risk and not a lot of people are capable of doing that. Like without having something lined up, without having some sense of where you're going to go next is really scary. But I thrive in those moments in my life. Like I fully love change when I need it. Like it was like, no, this is time. I feel it in my bones. I'm not afraid. It's going to work out. Whatever is meant to be is going to sort of work itself out. And that's exactly what happened. 
You just have to sort of like take the leap and know that the net will appear. And the, you know, you said like, oh, I, you know, I had to figure out who I was again, you know, without that thing, right? But the neat thing is that inside there, you rediscovered Andrea, the artist, and that that connection to music was still there. And you were able to kind of pick up, pick that up. Do you want to speak a little bit about, you know, starting to play again and, and getting back into life as an artist? Yeah, I, like I said, you know, when we first started talking, I grew up singing and songwriting. And that was a thing I've always loved to do and is me at my happiest. And I think when I started to get into supervision, my schedule and time didn't really allow for me to create in the same way. I think that that's like the start of probably the burnout for me is I wasn't allowing myself to carve out time to create for myself. And so that closed that door completely off for me. So I didn't have my creative flow. I I didn't have it go anywhere. It just sort of sat in me and was stagnant for a really long time. And I don't think that that was extremely healthy for me, but I also couldn't see myself ever feeling like I had the energy to create and want to do it. Like it just, I didn't have the time or the energy to do it. So, you know, stepping away from the career that I had built, I thankfully (laughs) like still love music. Like that's the best part is I didn't lose my love for this world and the art and creating it and listening to it. I'm very grateful for that. Like I'm not resentful towards the industry or or music in general. If anything, it just allowed me to sort of open up that door again to my inner child and younger self because that's really what fed me. And I said, oh yeah, this is what feels right. Like it's sort of one of those things that just kept gnawing at me all the time. Like, oh, you're not doing this anymore. You're working in this industry now, but like, you're not really doing the thing that you love about it. Like you need to do that. You need to do that. And I tried a couple of times, like I co-wrote with some friends and like recorded a couple of things and like a little butterfly in me was like, you know, kind of flapping its wings and I was feeling all excited, but then that never really went anywhere. And I, I couldn't put the energy and time and love into it that I wanted to. And so now I, I have that space to do that. I've created that space for myself. So I'm I'm working in an environment now where I can close my computer at the end of the day and I don't have to like communicate or talk to anybody. This is my time now to like focus on art for myself. And that's what I think I needed was to have this balance of like work life and creativity and I just didn't have that on the scale. Supervision does not allow you to have a healthy work life balance unfortunately. So I had to create that for myself. And so now I'm I'm kind of getting back into that and I'm realizing like all of this that I've experienced is like really good inspiration to write pieces and to pull from and it feels really good to be doing it again. That's so it's inspiring. It's inspiring to hear that by creating that boundary, you know, and and, and making those changes in your life so that you're able to to put in some boundaries that like that creative part of yourself has room to grow and create and and you know that it's you know the oh my god I was about to say the butterfly got its wings but that's not a thing (laughs) I mean I'm the one that cheesily threw that in there it's fine (laughs) you did I got I'm all up on butterflies now so 
what are you working on now that is there like a project that you know is it are you just playing in your living room or do you have something that you're you're kind of focusing on and okay well first first of all I do want to like be totally honest with my journey and in this diving back into this pool is that I'm now I'm really learning how to let go of like the inner critic in myself because working in this industry for so long and listening to so many different types of music and ultimately trying to push it to film and television, I have a little bit of this like judgmental critic mindset and ego in my brain. And so right now I'm really practicing not caring about it, not caring about what the inner critic says, not caring what other people are going to think about my music. I'm literally doing this because I need to, and it feels good. And I want to do it. That's my main focus. Number one, it's really hard to do that, (laughs) but that's the, that's the beginning of this process. And I'm also trying to set mini goals for myself and write like a song a week with a couple people and like by either by myself or a co-write and I'm working with a few people out here co-writers and also producers to open myself up into this world again and I'm trying to take my time with it and I'm not trying to make this like my next career like I'm not trying to have this be my money maker because I don't want this pressure to be put on myself in a new environment like I'm entering this phase of I'm doing this because it feels good and I don't want to put this pressure on myself to like have a press release and an album release and all this stuff I want to do this really organically and naturally for myself so I'm in that phase of trying to figure out how to do it myself and and work with a couple people to get like tips and advice and I've been recording and I want to put music out so I'm hoping at some point this year, like I'm going to put a single out that's almost done. And then I'll either probably continue to release singles or I'll put a demo out of some kind. But there's things that I want to incorporate like throughout those phases and steps that I've sort of been thinking about and racking in my brain that's going to intertwine this journey I've sort of been on. But I'm really excited about it and it feels so good to be creating and making things again. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear it. That's that's a pretty incredible, you know, full circle place to be. But inside of that too, let's talk a little bit about the about the newsletter. So you've been putting out this newsletter. I got it coming into my inbox. Bye bye burnout. Was that from like bye bye Blackbird? I was listening to Fifi Dobson for a while and Bye Bye Boyfriend is like one of my favorite songs from her. And I th- actually, I think that is probably where it came from. <laughs> okay, I just aged myself as like a person from the 1920s. <laughs> I'm like, I, I come and I hear like, bye, bye, Blackbird. And you're like, no, this is, this is a... I mean, yeah. Canadian icon, Fifi Dobson. Canadian icon, Fifi Dobson, my well, boyfriend, that is it, much more current. The ironic... It's much more sense. Yeah, the ironic thing is like the first newsletter I put out had that music video in the newsletter. And so I think that was definitely like the inspiration now that I think about it. It feels like so long ago since I started the first one. Um, but yeah, and the newsletter itself just adapted. I I was doing a newsletter a week and then it felt that that was like <laughs> just way too much, not only for myself, but other people. I was like- You can't burn yourself out on yeah. a newsletter about burnout. <laughs> no. No. So then it burnout just, inception. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> hilarious and so true. Yeah, I think I I just 
I sort of like created the boundary where I, wherever I needed to. And I think now it's sort of like once a month or, you know, bi-monthly. There's still a couple of other pieces I want to put out that I've like written down and started putting ideas together. But it's, it's mainly from my experience as a supervisor. I've had a lot of uh, newsletters that are music supervision specific. So talking about the, the one that really did well was uh, a real life of a music supervisor. So I break down the like day to day of like what a music supervisor sort of has to deal with on the inside. And it's a lot of it supervisors don't talk about publicly. (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm going to talk about this. I want this to be like a veil that's sort of removed. And I don't want this to be some secretive thing. Like people need to understand why music supervisors don't get back to people, why they're super busy. And like, I also don't think this is healthy. And music supervisors just continue to do these habits and these things. And we're not really talking about it amongst each other or helping each other through the chaos of this industry. And so I was like, this is what happens. Like, this is a how stressful it is and why it's so difficult and why it's not meant for everybody. Like, it's such a glorified job. There's a lot of people out there who are like, it's my dream to be a music supervisor. And I'm like, okay, if you read this newsletter and you don't feel slighted by it, then you'll be fine. But if there's anything in here that's triggering or sounds not fun, don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. But it's also for, I I think, just anyone in the industry in general, like whether you're an artist or I think I've had other people who aren't even in music who've read it and said that they can relate to certain things about it. It's more about how we can carve space out for ourselves, try to find a little bit of that work-life balance. It's like, how can we treat ourselves with kindness and how can we not lose our inner child within ourselves? Like, how can we carve time out to like go skip it, like jump rope or like (laughs) go for walks in nature or painting. Like how can we tap into the creative parts of ourselves and not feel like work is the only thing we do all day, every day? I remember you did a newsletter about like play and and about uh, getting connected with nature. Can you go a bit more into that in terms of like ways to combat or deal with the stress or how we can kind of center ourselves and, and the tools that you use? Yeah, I think that when we get busy in work and in life, we don't do things for ourselves. We're doing things for other people all the time that we don't stop to do things for ourselves. And I think to offset the burnout, we have to do things for ourselves in order to not experience it to the degree that I did. And so carving playful time out, and I think – we can be playful as adults. I think that that's like so important and is a really big part of happiness and joy. And like, I keep bringing this up and throughout our conversations, but like learning how to tap into like our inner child and things that brought us peace, you know? And I think that that's going to be different for everybody. For me, that was singing and songwriting and reading. I stopped reading books when I was supervising and I I'm obsessed with reading. Like I love books. So for me, it was like getting back into like finding time to read again. And whenever I carve that space out for myself, I'm happier afterwards. So it's like forcing ourselves to find the time rather than like make the time. We have to carve that time out for ourselves. It's so important. And nature is a really big one because Uh, there's a screen everywhere we look and (laughs) there are advertisements and 
meetings and phone calls and emails and social media and all these things that distract us and keep us really busy. And the only thing I think that really breaks that habit and breaks that time from technology is truly being in nature because it's not, it's not a simulation, believe it or not. It's not something that we can just go on YouTube and be like, I'm going to pull up nature sounds. It's like, you actually can go outside and experience it in real time. And carving that time out can be difficult, but it's so refreshing, like breathing in fresh air, like putting your feet in the grass, like hearing birds, connecting with nature is such an important thing to release stress. And uh, if we all did it a little bit more, we would feel a little bit better. Yeah, I can't agree more. Also, a part of me was like, okay, Andrea in LA, putting your feet in the grass as I stare out onto this icy, snow-covered, frigid tableau outside of my window. Uh, yeah, grass sounds. In grass the summertime, you can nice. do that. In the summertime, you can do that. <laughs> yes, Maybe absolutely. you can like yeah. put your feet in the snow and then go to a sauna. Like, there you go. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds nice. That's it for this episode of Refocus. Please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. For more information, you can visit us at folkmusicontario.org and follow us on social media at folkmusicontario. This Refocus session is brought to you through the generous support of the Department of Canadian Heritage.